I was never a very good student when it came to the sciences, right? Some things just come easy, some things come very difficult. And for me, the sciences became, they were, they were difficult. But I think that one thing's with the natural science and the science of our own body come with a, just, just a, a breadth of beautiful information, right? That it's just good for us. So I'm going to ask some questions in here, and I would love participation as we have a small community in here on Memorial Day. And uh, a lot of times I do try to bribe your participation. And so can I, uh, can I have an assistant? Oh, I see a hand back there. JP, come up. This is my nephew. <laughs> Fabulous, JP. Thank you. He is ready to go. What, a, what an awesome characteristic. He's willing to jump in. So JP, these are, these are donuts and you have earned yourself one. But I also need you to be a runner, right? So I'm going to ask some questions and, and whoever answers, feel free to give them, a, to go to them and, and um, give them a donut. And so here, here's what I also want to let you know. If you answer wrong, you'll still get a donut. <laughs> so if you want a donut, just be ready to yell out something. So when it comes to the systems of the human body, or the subsystems, like the systems of our organs and things like that, how many systems are there in the human body? Anybody know? Bethany? Eleven? Anyone else have a... a, 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 Get her a donut, JP, thank you. The systems of the human body. And we also have another sort of what you, you've taught or learned or sort of studied? Seven? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, yep. Ten? Now again, this is just a way to get a donut. All you have to do is shout out a number. If you want a donut, you just have to say what you, you know, right? No, all right, Super. Would anyone else like a donut? We heard one up here in the front. Okay, now when it comes to this, and if you're right, I, there's, I, I guess it all depends on how you label them. But when, you know, for a guy like me who doesn't really know, where do you go to look for such things? You know, on the internet, you know, and all of those answers seem to be correct. How many are there? 10, 11, 12, right? It all depends on how you label them or do so. Would anybody else, anybody else need a donut? J- JP, oh, there's a hand coming out in the back. Could you do that? And then you can have the rest of them. <laughs> and then here's the thing. So I was, I was hanging out with a, a, a couple of um, our students in here in the high school, middle school group, right? And I was asking them about their experience with God and um, what would help support them. And they told me donuts, right? That's what they told me. And so now again, there are very few high school, middle school students here on Memorial Day. But um, I've got another set of donuts here in the front, and there will always be donuts in the front row for our high school middle schoolers, because you can't grow in the back row. And so you you can you can, but there's donut. But I don't, so there's more donuts up in here. We will give them to your kids when we're done in here and load them up. But so of all these systems, is there anybody here um, in the medical profession? We got, would, would you mind being able to answer us some questions as a professional? Let's, let's come on forward. Let's, let's come on forward. Uh, I want to recruit your help. You will win a donut. 
or a dozen donuts if you want them. Again, I promise you this will not be too complicated of questions, but um, I do need more of an expert's help in that. Thank you for your willingness to participation to step up here on the platform as I quiz you about the medical field. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself? So my name's Ahmed. I work in physical therapy. Um, my dad owns a company, and we've uh, basically been open um, since before I can remember. Fabulous. Ahmed? Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Ambo. Okay, so when it comes to the systems of the body, right, and like the subsystems, like the cardiovascular system, I think I had an image of some of those yeah, up saw there. It. You saw that image up here, right? You can see all these systems. What would you say would happen to an individual if one of those systems went down? I mean, it if they, not, me, me, down, not meaning that they could totally totally ended, but they're having trouble. So you're having trouble in the, the, the excretory system, right? Meaning you're constipated, right? Or you can't go to the bathroom or something's happening there. Or what, what, like my wife was experiencing in her, um, with, in her respiratory system, she was having trouble. So what would happen to an individual if one of those systems begins to decline? Um, Where would you think, and hold that microphone up and let the, as an expert, if they started experiencing those systems, what would you say they'd be doing? In my expert opinion, <laughs> um, I would say they wouldn't be doing so well. They'd probably be struggling in, in with, with whatever they were, you know, whatever was down. And then other areas would be affected by the fact that that one system was down. And then what would you say if two of those systems started to hurt and go down? Where would they be? In a nursing home. <laughs> what would you say if three of those systems went down? Where would they be? In the grave. Yes. Okay. Oh, super. Thank you. Would you like a dozen donuts? Why not? <laughs> grab, grab one of those. Thank you so much. So you got it. Expert opinion. Those systems start to go down. You're in trouble, right? So the body is a system. It has these subsystems. One part can't do the part of another. If that one system goes down, there's very little other systems that, that can make up for that system. I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, and so if that part goes down, there's no replacement. And today we're looking at Ephesians 4, and in it, we have this idea of Paul explaining to the church in Ephesians 4 this sense of some organizing systems that are at work within the church, that almost all of them need to be in place for it to function as God intended it. That's what we're going for. And so today, as we're looking at this text, and if you had your little one pager, your sheet, and your small groups, um, there's a little phrase in that we're going. It says, if Jesus is more, then we are made to do more. That we are made for more impact. And so what we want to look at today is I want to tie this all into these systems based on this text of Ephesians 4. We're going through the book of Ephesians. In the beginning of Ephesians, it says that Jesus is over everything. He is filling everything. He is the Lord over all, over all the universe. And then he says, and you are his body, the fullness of him. And we're saying that we were meant to be the fullness of Jesus in this world, his church, to spill into every nook and corner of society. This is the picture that Jesus has for, for his church. 
And so Ephesians 4 continues to take that picture and say, yes, this is what it looks like, but also this is how it's meant to do. This is how God is, has given gifts and, and trained and instruct us. So this is Ephesians 4 about we are made for more impact to do more. And so let's, I'm going to read a portion of this text. The spot that I want us to go, we're going to start at Ephesians 4, verses 7. We're going to go to 16. So if you want to, if you have a Bible on your phone, you brought it, you want to read, you can't. If not, it will be behind me on the screen. So this is Ephesians 4. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God who becomes mature and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If Jesus is more, we were made to do more. And so let me just take a few moments to go through this text and kind of highlight a few things before we get to this idea um, that was in the middle of this text about these giftings. But the first one starts in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And so we just kind of pause right here in this text of Ephesians 4, just so no one thinks that Paul's saying to a select few, but he's saying to each one of us in verse 7. And so each one of us actually means, and if you look at the, he, the Greek of this, it actually means each one of us, right? To each one of us, he's given grace. And so that means every one of you. So turn to the, to the person next to you and say, hey, he's, he's talking to you. This text applies to everyone who is a part of the body of Jesus, who is included in the family. No one is excluded. To each one of us, this grace that Paul is going to get into has been given. This is huge. Because I think for a portion of it, I think we're told again and again and again that it's a select few. It's just for the super competent. It's just for the super elect. It's just for the super talented and super gifted. But Paul's saying, no, 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 no. For this to actually operate and for this to truly function, it's for everybody. Everyone has been graced. That's verse 7. That's important for us to grasp that early on. He lets us know to each one of us, grace has been given. That's verse 7. So in the verse 8, it says this. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. This is um, a quotation from Psalm 68. They're making a prophetic text that's speaking into something. So in verse 8, he, when he's talking about Jesus, who's doing this? When he ascended on high was in light of the resurrection. When he ascended on high, he took captives and he gave gifts. So that's important too. 
So what is the thing? The grace that Jesus has given. So in verse 7, he said, each one of us, there was a grace given. What is that grace? Well, Paul tells us it's gifts. Right? This is, there's gifts that are given to each one of us. It's the form of gifts. And in the resurrection from the dead, Jesus gave, bequeathed these gifts to his body, to his church. That's verse, that's verse 8. Does that sort of make sense, right? Everyone has it. And in the resurrection, Jesus gave these gifts. This is what it looks like. Each one of us is given these gifts. Verse 9 says this. So what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower, the earthly region. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So what is this saying here? He's saying, oh, what does it mean that he ascended? Well, we're talking about the one who then descended and became man, right? Jesus, God in flesh, descended and became man, right? Was born of a woman. He was the creator of all humanity. He was in the Father, in the creation, who spoke out creation, right? He descended. I mean, he's talking about Jesus who became man. The term that the church uses is the incarnation. He took on flesh, So who are they talking about? The one who descended also ascended. He raised from the dead. Now, to get this last part of this text, it is super cool in verse 10. That last few words, in order to what? He ascended in order to what? Fill the whole universe. This is not a small Jesus. To fill the universe. Uh... This is not meant to be a joke, but for, for those of you who believe that humanity might be in other places, right? Who think there might be other life out there beyond this one planet? I say, oh man, I mean, Jesus, I, I hope they do. I hope there is. I hope they find it. I'd be intrigued to know what's that like for Jesus to fill the whole universe, this is not a small, this is not a small Jesus. Jesus is filling the whole universe. It, Jesus is the only one who can fill the whole universe, who has created it, but who can fill it with all of himself. That was the order of it. But this is there's talking about, the one who descended, who became man, who also was raised from the dead. Jesus descended, became man. He lived, he taught, he instructed, he discipled, he healed, he cast out demons. He shared good news of God's rule. Uh, he was crucified. And this Jesus was resurrected. He was ascended in order to fill the whole, Jesus, to fill the whole universe. Jesus is more. He's more. The cosmic Jesus who fills the whole universe, filling every corner of society. He has authority over everything. That's what, that's what Ephesians 1 said. He is Lord over all. And in the resurrection, Jesus gives gifts to all his people. So in verse 11, that's what the first part is telling us. He gives gifts to all those people in the, resur- in the resurrection. And in verse 11, it hits this. So... Christ himself gave, again, he's talking about these gifts, these giftings, and these sort of organizational systems. He gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, the pastors or shepherds, and teachers. Now, um, if you 
within the church, you count these, there's five of them, right? And so because there's five, these have been sort of called the five-fold gifts that's referenced in Ephesians 4. These are these aren't so much like spiritual gifts, but they are, but they're given by God. They're organizational. They're functional ways in the same way that the body has systems to it that help it to function in its completeness. These five gifts were given and dispersed out to everyone in certain ways in order for the body to function. That's exactly what Paul's going to say here. But these five were given. They're called the five-fold. The five-fold gifts. It's also called apest the A-P-E-S-T, based on the first letter of each one of these. That's the way they talk about them. So if you know, if I reference that again, the fivefold, I'm referencing those five titles of gifts here in Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now, real quickly, as we move into those, if you've got your little one-pager, on that one-page sheet, they kind of give some highlights of, of, of what those are about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the, the, the shepherd, and the teacher. And we're going to uh, uh, come back to those, and we'll go into those in more detail. But the purpose of this is shared in verse 12, because it says two. He gives these gifts to, to equip his people for works of service. To equip them for, the term would be for ministry, Right? To service to God and service to others, that everyone be like priests, sort of released for the good. So to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ, which we are, may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure the fullness of Christ. Now again, if we just looked at that, what's the function of these gifts given? It's, it, it's, it's used words like to build us up, to equip us, um, to, become, to, to bring maturity, the fullness of Christ. That's huge. This is huge. The fullness. We kind of said that the church is meant to be the fullness. And what this text is saying is saying that Jesus has given these gifts that we have latent within us. The giftings of God in order to help us organize and function in a way that we would represent, that we would begin to live and look and operate in service to the world and to God like Jesus did, expressing the fullness of him in this world. That, that's what it's saying. And then from verse 16, it says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this text is kind of saying we have everything that we need, everything that God has intended for us to be able to experience the fullness of Jesus by the gifting of his grace to the empowering of the spirit of God and his gifts upon us to function and to operate in this people. Jesus is given these organizing systems, this fivefold gifting to equip us, that we could be built up, becoming perfect, complete, mature. And maturity looks like this, meaning that everything that God has intended for us, we'd step into it. What a picture leading to the fullness of Christ. Every church, everybody, all of us, we need all of these functions, these gifts active and fully functioning in order to really represent the fullness of Jesus. And so in this, every church needs these. So what would you say 
then, with, if this was such a case, if there was an operating system, if there was systems and subsystems within the church in the same way that there are organizational systems within the body, right? All these systems that are working for the body to complete, because this is the same thing that Paul is saying here, these ligaments and these systems that hope to hold everything together that we could be the fullness of Christ, his body. And in the same way that if certain systems were not present or if they were going down in your body, you go down. What happens to the church if there are certain systems that are not functioning within it? It it lacks to look like the fullness of Jesus in the world, right? It begins to look small and, and puny, and it doesn't actually do what Jesus did when Jesus was in the world. It begins to look anemic, and it begins to be on life support, and it looks to be pathetic, and it's small, I don't know, I, I think that some of us, if we did have to, to hold up the health of the church at large, and maybe not all over the world, but in certain places, and maybe even the view in the United States, we would say the church as an organism might look anemic, small, not functioning in the same way that Jesus seemed to function in his fullness when he was on earth. And yet the full intent was for his body to extend and to do and to be the fullness of Jesus here in the world. And yet, could it be that we're not releasing and empowering and, and breathing this truth of every one of us being a part of what Jesus is wanting to do in the world by using the ingrained latent gifts that God has given us, that Jesus has given us as we entered his family? I want to say it's Yes. That every one of us would have a part to play. So if we begin to look at this, let's pull back up those five again, these fivefold. Now, uh, let, let me give you some details of what these mean. And again, our encouragement for today is that if you, and maybe you've done this before, maybe you've taken a test that helps you to identify. And there's tests out there. You just answer some survey questions. Just to help you see hey, how, uh, in the way that you naturally function a strength to you, that maybe that this would be the gift that God has given you. And so I want to encourage you, take the survey. If you've already taken it, and it's been, it's been a year or two, take it again. See if you're operating in a different, maybe a different season of your life, or one of them is growing. You can take that survey at fivefoldsurvey, all spelled out, dot com. And we want to invite you to take it. I want to invite you to take it and to begin to believe it's whichever one comes to the top of the surface that God is the one who has breathed upon you, that Jesus is the one who has given you a wiring, a bent in that way towards those kinds of ministries, towards those kinds of actions and to begin to ask, what does this mean for me? How do I step into this more fully? How do I begin to engage this in the, in the world so that you can fill the whole universe? Maybe even my block or where I work, or the school, or another country, or another place. But, but here's a fast way. There's some, so we have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds. So on the apostles list, here's what we have. Now, the blanks for this one, where the apostle is the one who extends and expands. It's the apostolic. It means to send. Now, do you ever agree that Jesus was apostle? He was one that was sent. 
He was sent by God into new places and new territories. He was the sent one in order to do something new. He was, he was proclaiming this kingdom of God. And apostles are the one who extend and expand. And if you saw the one, it's the one who sent. It's an extending one. There's an extension to it. They break new territory. Apostles are always wanting to go, to step into a new work. And that new work may not mean... Um, that you have to leave the country, but maybe it does. Maybe it was a place where they know that no one has even ever heard of Jesus. They don't even know the name. They don't even know the story. But that could even happen within the corner of our sphere, right? That could be in our workplace where no one knows anything about Jesus. That could be in certain pockets of people that have been so alienated from the gospel or from the truths of Jesus that no one has even um, aware of them. No one even cares about them. They have been considered other than, less than. And so this message never goes to them. So an apostle is saying, hey, where's the new work? Where's the new place that God has been sending me in order to go there and to organize a group of people in order to proclaim God's good news and to be an expression of Jesus in that spot? It could be even your school, your work, where that isn't present. Your neighborhood but it has to be the nations in the world. It could be networks of people that are hurting and lost. Those are apostles. Prophets are a one who question and critique. So often prophets expose and, and, and embody and they call us to faithfulness and loyalty to God. The prophet is the one who questions. Jesus was this prophet who began to question and he began to look at what the religious system was doing. And he was questioning it. And he was critiquing it. When Jesus went into the temple before his death and he flipped over the tables, it was a prophetic expression. It was a forth telling that this whole temple was going to be destroyed. So it was a prophetic expression. But also he was critiquing their system. This system of worship and prayer that was being built up on money. Instead of being a place for prayer for all the nations, for everyone, he was critiquing and questioning. And that's what the prophet does, begins to look around and they spend time with God. They begin to critique and question and there's prophets among us. They're asking these questions of saying, hey, are we, are we truly functioning like Jesus did? A lot of times the prophets have a system of justice that needs to happen towards the poor. Or they look at the church and they say, oh my gosh, we're so rich. And yet we're, we have so little concern for those who are marginalized. The prophets begin to speak up at the things of racism and systemic racism that's continuing in our country. The prophets speak up of things towards the elderly and those systems and the sex trade. They begin to look at the church and they say, hey, are we really functioning in the way that we were meant to? We might be doing religious things, but is our heart really God's? And so the prophet is critiquing and asking questions and stepping in. And if that's you, maybe they, and, and the church needs it and your networks need it. They need for people to look and to see and allow God to breathe new life and to begin to question what's going on. And Jesus was that. He's fully a prophet. And the evangelist begins to recruit to the cause. They're to invite and excite. And they invite people into the story. And Jesus was an evangelist. He said he came to seek and to save. 
and begin to see evangelists who are excited about the message, excited about what God has done, excited to share how God is moving in their life. They're excited to tell their story. They're excited to connect with people who don't know Jesus and they want to tell people in a real way. They want to make sure that people can understand that message who have never heard it. They're not looking for the same package in the same weird or trite ways of sharing really good news. They want to make sure that when people hear what Jesus has done, it's actually good news and not bad news. They love to share it with people where it hasn't reached them or they haven't been able to understand it. And the church needs them. They're always wanting to extend. They're wanting, they, they, they want the call to want to invite new people into this family and into the story of what God is doing in the world. And there's the pastor and the shepherd and they guide and they nurture. They guard and they protect. They're caring for the body of Christ. They're the one who cares. And Jesus, was, was he a shepherd as well? I mean, the scriptures say he was the good shepherd He cared for the needs of people. And when they didn't even have food, he would feed them. He would see them and have compassion on them, those who were hurting and suffering. And he always made room even when he was tired. And so there are shepherds among us, our pastors, who care for the needs to nurture and to guide and to protect among us. And the other one is the teacher. This is the one who explains or the teachers who explains and organizes. They're the lover of wisdom to bring interpretation and to, to inform us. The teacher connects the dots that others can't see. They transfer ideas and knowledge and wisdom. Was Jesus a teacher? Absolutely. He's considered the rabbi. Right? He grabbed disciples to learn from him. He, was, he would continue to proclaim and he would teach and he'd gather people to learn from him as he helped them to understand, to connect the dots about who the Father is. So these are the five ways, these are the five sort of organizing systems within Ephesians 4. It says to everyone, these gifts have been given. Jesus embodied them all and if we are to be the fullness of Jesus... In order to equip and to build up for maturity, these are the organizing systems within this body where each of us has been given maybe even a strength in this way, a gift of one of these very specific where we can continue to encourage and build each other up. Jesus had them all. He was the fullness of them all, the perfect expression of them all. And, and we as individuals are not. By myself, I'm I'm nowhere close to being a representation of the fullness of Jesus. But we as a body, expressing all of of these gifts together, filling in the shallow spots of each of our lives coming together, when all of these are expressed, we are being built up into the fullness of Christ as we begin to grow into these is begin to say yes to these gifts and begin to practice them and learn about them and be able to step out and say, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to participate? I'm to use my gift? I'm to learn how to exercise this strength that God has given me? I'm to help others who are weak in it to grow strong in it? 
See, if every one of us, all of us need them all, all of us know how to need to share good news and all of us need to be a good shepherd and care and nurture people and all of us need to know how to teach and instruct those who are around us and all of us need to know how to say yes to do things that God's inviting us into and all of us need to have a prophetic voice to speak into the areas of the world and to the injustice that's even among us. But some of us are gifted in a way that we could, we benefit and we strengthen and we bring the whole body to maturity. This is the picture that Paul has given us that we are made for more, to do more. So what would it look like if only one or two of those was active? What would it look like if there was only a couple people who were being invited and commissioned and maybe even supplemented with some pay and in order to be able to use their gifts and everyone else says, well, I mean, no, no, no. They use their gifts and they build us up and we do all this, but they're the ones just doing it. What would the church look like? Small, anemic, pathetic. It would have a fatal flaw to it. It would be on the brink of death. Not by the way that it was doing its Sunday services, not by the, what they had put on their sign, not by the structures of their buildings, having nothing to do like a business. It would only have to do with not empowering and releasing what was latent in every one of you. What Jesus had given you as a birthright that had bequeathed to you. Like in a last will and testament when you said yes to him, he says, oh, let me give you gifts by my grace. So you could step into the greatest story ever being told in the world that Jesus would fill the whole universe and transform the whole world. And he would say, and I want you to play a part in this transformation. I'm gonna give you gifts in order to see that my body would look like its fullness. And if you don't step in, the body suffers. It doesn't look like its fullness. Jesus has filled the whole universe. There's this theory, I I was taking a leadership class, and um, when it comes to all the problems in the world, the major ones, right? Whether that's um, climate change or our problems um, within poverty and that, these, these are really, really big problems. And there's different people around the world with formal authority that different hierarchies have given them in order to address these problems. And if you look around the world, we can, we can answer this question, how well are the people with formal authority doing to attack the major problems in our world? They're doing a pretty pathetic job, to tell you the truth. Those with formal authority to do something about global poverty or climate change or to deal with those struggling with mental illness or doing stuff to, with our educational systems, right? You could, you could make the list. You could continue to go on and on and on and on for the flourishing of the world. And we say those who have this formal authority either through a job or a political uh, system, it's like you have the authority to fix these problems, if they're the ones who are going to step in with action in order to solve these problems, they can't do it. These problems are too big. They don't have the needed resources, the knowledge, the talent, enough, enough resources behind them to do it. They don't know how to answer all the questions. They are impossible to meet those needs. Impossible. No one in any kind of formal authority who's taking on these kinds of global issues will ever do it. Because they were given a title and a budget and a job description. 
with the major issues of the world, right? They're too big. They're too complicated. Nate has been, and some others have been pulling in together a group of people in order to address the issues of homelessness in our county, right? And that issue is massive, And there is no one organization, there is no formal authority who is going to meet that need. They can't. And so there's organizations and even all those with the formal authority in the organizations, they can't meet the need. And so what do they need? Well, they need need everyone to take responsibility, to take on leadership, which means to take on action in order to do something about it. That's called adaptive leadership theory, where not just those with formal authority take action, but leaders take action. And they take action and say, I I can do something. I can do something. And so the only way that um, the, the, the idea of the natural resources of our world being preserved and and sustained, the only way that that's actually gonna happen is if the majority of people in the world actually begin to do something on an individual level and begin to organize their groups of people in order to help them do things on an individual level. But they, they're going to need everybody. And if you want to solve global poverty, which is in the billions of people, it's going to take actually everyone to participate in that. And so this is all that Jesus is saying. is saying, hey, for the church to be the fullness of Jesus, it's just not a select few who had this formal authority because they've been dubbed pastor and they went to seminary and they got a job description and they, and they know how to do certain things with the Bible. They're actually not gonna, they, they, they might be able to help in some things, but if they're the only ones, if they're the ones trying to step in, it's gonna look like what we have now. A flawed system that isn't reflecting the fullness of Jesus in the world. So what's it gonna take? It's gonna take when every day Ordinary people like ourselves begin to believe that latent within you, buried, put in you by Jesus himself, is the Holy Spirit of God breathed into you and gifts, gifts that he has breathed upon you in his resurrection. The same power when he was resurrected from the dead. It's a commissioning. It's in you. It's in you to be used be unleashed, to be activated for the sake of representing the fullness of Jesus in the world. These are things that you do well. These are things that are in you. They need to be just released and activated. Our encouragement is that may you take the survey when you step into the groups, when you begin to discuss these, share with someone which one was top for you. What does that look like to live into that? And how could you step in and do that? Our goal as a church within the next 10 years is that we would have 100 different missional communities. That's a grouping of people who are coming together, um, wanting to step into the, the world, into the mission, to the calling that God's invited them into. These are people who would have these different kinds of gifts that God has given them so they could be the fullness of Jesus in a certain sphere, in a certain corner of our society, Right? whether that's your school, your neighborhood, on your block, or in your workplace, or um, at your club, or in your gym, or uh, on the streets of Royal Oak, or with the homeless, or with the mentally ill, with the poor, or in the sex trade, or everywhere, anywhere, that we would have these people stepping in and saying yes to what God was inviting them into. 
And that just means we've got to say yes to the latent gifts and abilities that God has given us for the sake of being his fullness in the world. Our last, I think I had one more thing to fill in. The body of Christ is meant to look like Jesus. We want to activate what is already latent within us. The last phrase on this that has a blank says this, the church working together is a super organism. It's meant to function together, every part playing a role. This is what it says in verse 16. Everything has to play its part, tying together that we could look like the fullness of Jesus. It's a super organism. It isn't a business to be managed, but it is a force to be released. Today, tomorrow, before you step into your small group, this afternoon, or maybe you did it while I was talking, good for you. Take the fivefoldsurvey.com. Spelled out, here's the link. Fivefoldsurvey.com. Take it. See how you rank. See what rises to the top. Talk to someone. Try to figure out what it would mean to grow into that, to learn about it, to say yes to it. Believe me, your joy will expand by stepping into how God has empowered you and wired you. When you get to do, when you get to say yes to what he's already activating in you for his purposes in this world, it will will be beyond this building. It will be what God has. May you say yes. Let's pray.